This is the Jesus Freedom Podcast, and I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Back on May 22nd, we had another school shooting in Texas where many ended up killed. What is the answer? In today's episode, I'm going to tell you a prophetic story and give you ancient wisdom on how to overcome the spirit of murder. On May 24th, in the year of our Lord, 2022, I saw in the spirit and had a vision. A big red dragon. He had a powerful tail and a fiddle. He went down to Texas looking for some souls to steal. He was behind on his quota and wanting to make a deal. He found a young beast named Ram, filled with anger and resentment. The dragon jumped up on a tree stump and started playing his fiddle to the beast. Ram the beast was enchanted and seduced by the dragon's fiddle playing. Ram asked the dragon if he could teach him to play the fiddle. The dragon breathed his fire on Ram and gave him some of his power to play the fiddle. So Ram went around playing. The more he played, the more he was consumed with its power and anger and resentment turned into fiery rage. The beast ram was very hungry one day. He had never been so hungry for innocent blood. He went out and devoured 21 innocent creatures. I saw in the spirit and had another vision. On the east coast of the United States, in Washington, D.C., two distinct groups of wild animals. One pack had the appearance of a donkey and the other pack had the appearance of an elephant. The donkeys and the elephants loved to sing and play their songs and play theater. When they heard what happened in Texas, they went down to the theater and sing to sing and play. The donkeys would sing, We need more control over the creatures in our country. We need more rules. They played their part perfectly. The elephants sang also, The donkeys are trying to steal the creatures' freedom to roam and play. The donkeys and the elephants went home laughing and talking about their performance. They actually thought they had real answers to solve problems. They didn't realize they had the brains of donkeys and elephants. They loved power and they loved to play. I saw in the spirit another vision. In the Middle East, large storm clouds growing with flashes of lightning and loud rumbles of thunder. The earth shook and all its creatures felt its power. There was a bright light like the sun that shone through the storm clouds and out of the storm and out of the light descending down to earth like a dove in a ray of light a new kind of creature one the earth had not seen before all the wild animals and the beasts were curious about this new kind of creature he also played the fiddle but when he played it was different from the dragon The earth creatures could feel the cool breezes blowing and peace from another world. They called the new kind of creature the Prince of Peace because when he played the fiddle, 
storms would stop and calm down. They said, what kind of creature is this? The wild animals and all the creatures of the earth here and there, far and wide, began to follow the prince. But the donkeys and the elephants and the other wild beasts were jealous of the prince and his fiddle playing. The prince had students. He taught how to play the fiddle and they would teach others. All the creatures of the earth thought this new kind of creature, the prince, should rule over us. There's no one like him and the whole world could have peace. But the donkeys and the elephants and the other wild beasts were enraged. They met with the dragon who hated with a consuming hatred the prince and his fiddle playing and they planned to conspire against him. They accused the prince saying he was a dangerous revolutionary. If we don't stop him, all the creatures of the world will follow him. The prince responded to them saying, I have played the fiddle in front of many every day and only seek to teach others to play. The dragon and the other wild beast had their plan in place. When the prince was playing the fiddle, they seized him and they jumped on him and devoured him. The students of the prince fled and hid, fearing they might be devoured too. The prince was dead. The donkeys and the elephants and the dragon and the other wild beast had a great feast. They laughed and hissed. They proclaimed, the world belongs to them. But after three days, though, early in the morning, there was a large earthquake sounds of thunder and flashes of lightning near the place they had killed the prince behold he had been raised from the dead and he was playing the most beautiful sound with a golden fiddle all of his students were in awe the prince breathed fresh cool breezes on all his students and anyone who wanted his spirit he taught them how to play the fiddle all the wild animals and all the wild beasts who followed the prince were transformed. They were no longer wild animals and beasts, but a new creation, like the prince. He told them to teach all creatures of the earth how to play the fiddle like he did, so all could have peace on earth and goodwill toward all creatures on earth. That is why he came. In 1979, Charlie Daniels released a song called The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Now, what I do like about this song is it is a story about the devil and a guy named Johnny. They get in a fiddle contest and the devil loses. In the end, the devil gives Johnny the prize, which is a golden fiddle. So in my story, though, uh, the real hero, the only man that's ever really truly defeated the devil is Jesus Christ. And that is what my story is about. A few other clues is the fiddle represents the words or the teachings of Jesus versus the words or the lies of the dragon or the devil. The donkeys are the Democrats and the elephants are the Republicans because this is their political symbol. Let's move on now to the ancient teachings of Jesus on how to overcome the spirit of murder.
The first question that has to be answered when we talk about anger is, is anger a sin? I can't say that there's anything in the scripture that directly says that being angry in and of itself is a sin, but it does give us caution. It says, be angry and do not sin. The issue is how we express and treat others. Common sense tells us that self-control when it comes to anger is very important, but it's more than that. A change of heart is needed, and that is not something a government can do. The answer is found in the ancient teachings of Jesus, who never murdered anyone. He is the author and the creator of all life, and said no greater love than this is the one who lays down his life for his friends. Before we get to the teachings of Jesus, let's do a quick review of Genesis 1-8 through to lay a foundation and understand God's heart on the matter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness and chaos covered the surface of the waters. But the Spirit hovered over the waters like a mother hen brooding over her eggs, and God spoke, Let there be light. In this world, there is darkness and chaos. People love the darkness because their actions are evil. But the Spirit is moving and brooding. God can breathe life and shine His light into the darkest places and turn chaos into order. When God created mankind, it says He created them in His image and likeness, and they were to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over all the wild animals. God placed the man and the woman in the paradise garden to work and to take care of it. He gave them one command. Don't eat of the knowledge of good and evil, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which would mean they would define good and evil instead of God. We see in the story a new character, a character, a wild animal, a serpent. He's different from all the other wild animals. He's very crafty. He represents the powers of darkness that seek to seduce mankind into rebellion towards their creator. Unfortunately, he succeeds and Adam and Eve are exiled out of the Garden of Eden. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. They both offer a sacrifice to the Lord, but the Lord isn't pleased with Cain's sacrifice. The Scriptures doesn't tell us in exact details why Cain is angry, but God says to him, Why are you angry? Why are you downcast? If you do what's right, you will you not be accepted? But be careful, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. If you don't know the end of the story, Cain kills his brother Abel. And in just two more chapters, the world is so filled with so much violence, God's heart is broken, and he is grieved he made mankind. He finds one righteous family, the family of Noah. He saves them and destroys the rest of the world with a great flood and starts over. After the flood is over, God makes a covenant that he will never destroy the world again with the flood, and the sign he gave was a rainbow. And God says again to mankind that mankind is made in his image and likeness, and therefore anyone who sheds innocent blood shall also have their blood shed. God created men to rule over the wild beast, but the crafty serpent, serpent a wild beast, sought to rule over them. The Apostle Paul said that all who are disobedient are under the powers of darkness. When we are ruled by anger or any sin, we are like an animal or a beast. The nature of the powers of darkness is the nature of a beast. We were created in God's image and likeness to be his representatives on earth. 
The character of God is that he is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. The Proverbs tell us that it is better to be a patient man than a mighty warrior. Self-control is better than conquering a city. Self-control is very important, but it is not the end goal. The goal is to have a changed heart that is filled with God's love. Loving God and how we treat others is directly connected. Let us now move on towards the ancient wisdom that Jesus taught on overcoming the spirit of murder. The main text will be in Matthew chapter 5, but before I read it, I want to set up the context. After Jesus overcomes a series of temptations from the devil, he begins to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent means to turn away from our sins and rebellion or indifference towards God and trust in the one he sent, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 delivers his famous Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a summary of the teachings of Jesus and what it looks like when one lives out a repentant lifestyle and are ruled by the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, thus fulfilling the calling that God called us to at the very beginning, being in his image and likeness. It's important to understand that Jesus is not giving us a new law, nor is he correcting Moses. Jesus himself says that heaven and earth will pass away before one letter of the law of Moses disappears. Jesus is challenging the Pharisees' interpretation of the law, which is why Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. One other principle that is important to remember that Paul mentioned in his epistles is that the Spirit gives life, but the letter of the law kills. So the promise of the new covenant which Jesus came to bring us is that he would remove the hard, stubborn heart, and he would give us a new heart, and he would give us a new spirit that would empower us to love him and to love others. Let's move on now, and let's read Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 through verses 26, which will be Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, his ancient wisdom to overcome the spirit of murder. It reads as the following, and this is out of the NIV version. You have heard that it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Rakah is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid every last penny. Now I just want to try to make five or six points in regards to these verses, trying to summarize the essence of what Jesus is trying to say. So first of all, Jesus' problem was with the interpretation that the Pharisees gave. They, their concern was 
you being judged in a court of law. Today, we would say something like, you know, don't commit murder or else you might go to jail, which many people would say, well, that kind of makes sense. But, you know, someone might commit murder and get away with it. In some countries, actually, their laws allow them to kill people who switch to a different faith. So Jesus is saying your first concern should be that you're going to die and you're going to stand before God and you're going to be judged. He's going to judge us for everything we have done in this life. Next, Jesus is also warning us on what happens when anger goes unchecked. We see in the the gospel narrative for the Pharisees, for example, that even though they didn't like technically or literally killed Jesus, not with their bare hands. They manipulated the powers of be through the Roman government and their own people, and they had Jesus crucified. So they didn't technically kill Jesus in that sense, but they conspired to kill Jesus because they hated him. So they were guilty of the spirit of murder, of which Jesus told them, your father is a devil and the devil is a murderer. In verse 22, Jesus takes it to the next level. And then he says, if you're just angry with your brother or sister, then you may be subject to judgment. Some translations say without cause. So one thing that's important to remember that I might reference a few times as I finish this podcast is what you need to remember is the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. So Jesus is not saying if you have a family member that's killed by someone that you're somehow wrong to be upset and angry, nor is he saying it's wrong to pursue justice through the courts. And then some people take the extreme opposite view, and they're like, well, you just need to forgive. And sometimes they think forgiveness means completing letting letting people off the hook and there's no justice at all. So Jesus is not saying that. So a good example actually is in the story of King Saul and David. David did nothing to provoke Saul, but due to his jealousies, Saul tried to kill David without any cause. David had a couple of chances to, and in return, kill Saul, and his own men who supported him egged him home and tried to get him to kill him because he was considered an enemy. He he was pursuing David to try to kill him, but David restrained, and he did not kill him because he said, this is the Lord's anointed. And David understood something, that judgment belongs to God. So even though we have maybe someone is trying to kill us, there may be uh, a right time for God to judge that versus us taking justice into our own hands. Back to verse 22, Jesus goes on and he continues to kind of take it to the next level. And he says, if you say to a brother or sister, Raka or fool, then you're actually in danger of the fires of hell. And so once again, what's important to remember here is the spirit and not the letter. Also saying Raka or fool in the Hebrew culture was considered a major insult. I remember, you know, when I first got married that a lot of times I would criticize other drivers. I would call them an idiot. And, of course, my wife kind of got tired of that. So I, I stopped saying it. Now, I do sometimes still say it if I'm by myself or if I'm, you know, if she's in the car, I'll just say it in my head. That guy's an idiot. What is he doing? What is he thinking? So Jesus is not 
necessarily directly saying, talking about saying something like that. I'm not saying it's right, but what he's saying, he's talking about a, a personally insulting someone. In today's culture, this would by would be comparable to someone using like vulgar language. But the point is that you're trying to use your words to try to destroy someone. And we see this into our culture today. We see it among the political parties when candidates are running. Most of the time, one candidate, the reason they win is not because they done a bunch of good things. It's just, they're just trying to destroy the other person's reputation enough so they can beat the guy. So this is a good example of what Jesus is saying. This is the spirit of murder. But this happens also in the workplace where someone may make a false ac- accusation. This happened to me, I mean, like a decade ago where I had an a coworker make these ridiculous accusations against me. Now, the good thing is I'd worked for the company for a few years. People knew my reputation. They didn't really believe her. Believe her. We ha- Either way, we had to go through the HR process. And at the end of the day, she was actually let go. But she tried to destroy me with her words. But this goes on even into family situations where spouses or family members will use their words to try to wound, hurt, and destroy. And what Jesus is saying that is that this is the spirit of murder. It, it starts with your, with your words. Actually, Jesus said this. He said that in your heart is where these evil thoughts Begin and out of your heart becomes murder and sexual immorality. So it starts in your heart and then it moves to your words. And then for most people, that's where it kind of stops. Most people are not actually going to commit an actual murder because they're afraid of the consequences. They know they, they may go to jail, but Jesus is saying that's not enough. If you have a pattern habitually of insulting people and destroying people with your words, he's saying you're in danger. You're going to stand before God and you're going to be judged. And if you do not repent, you're going to be in danger of the fires of hell. One objection that people might say when they look through the gospel narratives is that Jesus actually called people fools and that that's actually true. But what we need to look at is that Jesus pronounced a number of woes over the a certain group of the leaders, the Jewish leaders, called the Pharisees. Okay, and what Jesus was doing, he was he was calling out them because number one, they were actually conspiring to kill him. So they were corrupt leaders. The Bible says they were lovers of money, they were envious, and they were jealous of Jesus. So they were trying to kill him. So Jesus was calling them out. And also these woes, that's W-O-E, were actually judgments, okay? And these are things that actually did happen to them. They eventually were, many of them were killed during 70 A.D. when Roman, the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem. So Jesus was pronouncing judgment on them. So he wasn't, he wasn't doing this in a casual sense, but he was doing this before the Lord. And this does happen sometimes where the Lord will use a prophetic voice to bring judgment or to pronounce judgment on evil and wicked rulers. It says in the Proverbs that a fool gives full vent to his temper, but a wise man holds it back. So it is considered wisdom and it's self-controlled 
to hold back. We should not say everything that comes into our mind. And unfortunately, some even believers fall into this trap of what I would call being brutally honest. So I just got to tell you everything I feel. Many times what they're seeking is they're, they're just wanting to have an open, honest relationship. But what happens is it ends up being the opposite because people can't trust them and people can be open with them because they don't know what's going to come out of their mouth. So we, we shouldn't give full vent. So there is a time to say things that are negative or what we say constructive criticism. But generally speaking, we should not say everything that comes into our mind and our heart. We should hold that back and we should prayerfully consider, even especially if it is negative, whether or not we should say it. Most of the time, it's not worth saying and it doesn't actually help. So we want to be someone who speaks the truth in love. It says also in Proverbs, it says a soothing tongue is a tree of life. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So God, he meant for our mouth to be something that brings grace, to bring healing. And what you want is you want to be someone who speaks words of life and healing with the love of God versus destroying people or cutting people with your words. Let's say you cut yourself with a knife. What are you going to do? You're first going to cleanse the wound. Then you're going to put some antibiotic ointment on it. And then you're going to put a bandage on it. The same is true when it comes to relationships where we cut each other with our words, so to speak. The sooner we cleanse that that wound, we put some antibiotic ointment on it, and bandage it up, the sooner it could heal. And the, the longer we wait, that wound has a greater chance of getting infected. And this would be translated, our soul becomes bitter. And the more we become bitter, the harder it is to overcome the spirit of anger and the spirit of murder. So we have to deal with these things kind of quickly or as soon as possible. But let's move on to verses 23 and verses 24, where Jesus is talking about coming into the temple and presenting a sacrifice or presenting any type of sacrifice to the Lord. But you know someone has something against you. He says, leave that and go be reconciled first. And it's important to understand when it comes to our relationship with God, you know, first we love him, but then we love others. But they're directly connected. You know, Paul said it this way in First Corinthians. He said in First Corinthians, he said it, if you give everything to the poor and even sacrificed your body, he said, I could boast about it. But if I don't love others, what have I gained? And the point is here is God is not looking for a great sacrifice. He does he says, I don't delight in the sacrifice of bulls and goats, but what the Lord takes delight in is he delights in a thankful heart. What Jesus is saying here is that he wants us to eagerly seek reconciliation as much as possible. Now, once again, what matters here is a spirit, not the letter. Not every situation is easily reconciled, especially if someone has been a victim of abuse or of violence. On the other hand, many believers are just offended or they get angry over petty things. They won't even speak to each other for years. 
I have a friend who used to teach Sunday school, but he had a family member pass away and he was offended and felt like people in the church didn't care or they didn't respond to his expectations. So he ended up leaving the church and he hasn't been back for many, many, many years. So this brings up kind of an important question is, you know, are we angry because someone has legitimately sinned against us or is it because they didn't meet an expectation? Now, in all relationships, it is normal to have expectations. And the closer the relationship, like a marriage, the more expectations you're going to have. But expectations should be discussed and they should be agreed upon. A good example in the scriptures of reconciliation is Philemon. Philemon had a slave and he stole from him and ran away. He ended up actually in the same prison cell as the Apostle Paul and Paul actually led him to the Lord. So this is what the letter of Philemon is about. It's just one chapter in the Bible in the New Testament. And Paul asked him to take him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. And Paul even said, if he owes you anything, I will pay you back. So Paul was urging and encouraging reconciliation and this is what Jesus wants us to do and how he wants to live it out because he came to reconcile us to God he shed his blood so we could be reconciled to God let's move on to verse 25 it says when you're on your way to court with your adversary settle your differences quickly otherwise your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and throw you in a prison or that you will pay every last penny until you are set free. And the point here, once again, is actually some urgency. And once again, it's the spirit, not the letter. Not every conflict can be resolved in five minutes. But the point is, you don't just let it go. You don't say, it doesn't matter. That's what some people do. They just walk away. It doesn't matter. And they just these situations never get resolved, and people end up bitter. And I'll just give you a good example of this. I had a family member who was married, and the husband passed away, and he had a couple kids. And these kids were not a part of the original marriage. This was uh, like a second marriage. And the kids, once the the father died, uh, they just had a lot of issues. One of the kids may have had an issue with drugs. So, But what ended up happening is the my family member try to do everything to go by the the rules of the law to reconcile everything so everything in the in the estate would be fairly distributed but they ended up trying to or what they ended up doing is making accusations that were not true my family member had to provide proof that the accusations were not true and this became a long drawn out thing that went on for years and as they got close to actually settling it they they had end up letting the insurance lapse on the house and then someone set fire to the house and it completely burned down the house and so when it was all said and done no one got anything and this all started when a couple of his kids were angry for no reason and they made accusations and they just they 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 dwelt in that resentment and anger and frustration in the end they got nothing and what Jesus is saying if you don't settle matters quickly if you don't have some urgency if you just let it go it doesn't matter 
then you end up becoming a slave to your anger and you experience the consequences of having unchecked anger. If we're going to live in victory over anger uh, in the spirit of murder, you know, first of all, you know, we have to understand that we're not necessarily going to be perfect. So, but we do need to live a repentive lifestyle. And that's what it means to live under the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Jesus. So we confess our anger and we turn away from it and we, we resist it. If we are angry with somebody and we keep noticing these negative emotions come up in us, we should pray for that person. It's hard to remain angry with someone if you pray for them. So we want to take those also the thoughts captive and we want to submit them to God. So we want to guard our heart and we want to guard our mouth. We want to make sure that we, when there are wounds in relationships, we don't let them get infected. We don't let them move to the place of bitterness. And we want to, and if there is issues, we want to settle these matters quickly as possible. Once again, not every every situation can be solved in five minutes, but we want we do not want to let it go like it doesn't matter because it does matter. It affects our relationships. It affects our mental and emotional health and even potentially our physical health. But even more importantly, it affects our relationship with God. And Jesus says it matters. So we can overcome the spirit of murder and we can overcome anger. Jesus has given us the answer. We have to live it out and tell others so they can overcome it as well. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. If you would like to contact me, you can email me at thejesusfreedompodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Once again, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day.